One of the most uh, critically acclaimed movies of 2014, a few years ago, was the movie Boyhood, uh, which is uh, the story of a young boy named Mason who was growing up in Texas with divorced parents. And it kind of explores the, the journey of this boy during, during this period of time. Um, by the time that Mason is a teenager, uh, his dad, who had sort of been kind of a, a deadbeat dad for a lot of his early years, hadn't really been a very available or, or, or around for him, um, he had actually started to move in more of a positive direction in his life. And he had actually gotten remarried. He had a wife and a new baby. And so uh, there's a scene where, where for Mason's 15th birthday, his uh, new step-grandparents, uh, who are Christians, come and they give uh, Mason a Bible engraved with his name. Um, and Mason's kind of you know, doesn't really know what to do with this in some ways, but um, there, later on there also, there's a scene where it, there's a conversation happening about the, the upcoming baptism of uh, his dad's new baby. Again, kind of appropriate for our baptism here today. And, uh, and so Mason, uh, as he begins talking with his dad about this and, and this new baby who's going to be baptized, he actually asked his dad whether he had been baptized uh, when he was a baby. And uh, his dad kind of laughs it often says that he hadn't given any thought at all to Mason's soul back then. Um, and, and Mason and his sister kind of wonder aloud um, if their dad is now one of those God people um, that kind of, they're, they're confused by this change that has happened in their father's life. But one of the things that you, that you see is that despite Mason's curiosity about this, this new spiritual side of his dad. He's, you know, he's asking questions. He's, he seems like he's curious. His dad, unfortunately, kind of drops the ball. Um, his dad, it doesn't seem like he's very prepared to have an actual spiritual conversation with his son when his son begins to ask him spiritual questions. Have you ever been in a situation where someone brought up to you a spiritual topic of conversation, maybe asked you a, a question or um, a, a spiritual kind of question, or maybe even asked you what you believe, but you found yourself kind of tongue-tied, or maybe you felt kind of uncomfortable and you, and you decided I'm going to sort of try to change the topic of conversation. You know, I think that it's a very common experience for many people to get nervous about the idea of talking about their faith in Jesus, for those who are, you know, who are Christians. Um, and, and oftentimes what, 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 what that reveals is that we don't take time to prepare for what to say when and if that time may come. When you're asked a question about what you believe or, or, or asked a spiritual question, are we ready to actually give an answer to someone who brings that question up? Well, that's going to be what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we are, are today finishing up, actually, a sermon series that, uh, that we've been going through over the last several weeks. Um, the series is, is called BLESS, and uh, it's an acronym for five practical ways uh, to bless people in our lives who are not yet believers in Christ. And so each of those letters stands for, for something that we've looked at over the last few weeks. Uh, the B we looked at several weeks ago stands for begin with prayer. That as we're seeking to bless people in our lives, we want to start by praying for them and praying for God's direction and how he might want us to bless people in our lives. Then we looked at the next letter, L, which stands for listen with care. Um, before just kind of launching into a, a speech about, about what we believe, we need to first listen 
listen to people in our lives, especially those who are not believers, to understand where they're coming from and their, their, their own experiences so that we can better understand how to speak. So we want to listen with care. Then um, we looked at E, which stands for eat together, um, that we want to spend time um, eating together, actually uh, getting to know people in our lives. And, and oftentimes sharing a meal with someone can really open up opportunities to get to know someone in a new way. And so we want to eat together with people in our lives. And then last Sunday, we looked at the first S in BLESS, which stands for serve with love. Um, we want to look for tangible, practical ways to serve people out of genuine love for them. So as we're praying for people, as we're listening to them, as we're eating with them, we might be able to get a better understanding of how to serve that person. And as, as Stanley mentioned earlier, we looked at that passage that Jesus washing the disciples' feet as an example of, of getting into, you know, even uh, the, the dirtiness of, 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 of getting in touch with someone. How do, how do you serve them in a really pra- practical way? Now, with each of these practices, and just, you know, for those of you who maybe are, are here, I know some of, the, are, of our guests, if you're curious, our website, we have, um, I have those, those, those sermon uh, recordings. If you'd like to listen to any of those previous sermons, or if you missed one of those, uh, they're available on our church website, uh, or our podcast as well, and you can listen to, to those different areas of, of this blessed series. But with each of these practices, our goal, it's not to try to convert or fix the other person. Um, it's really to find ways to genuinely love and bless them, to find ways to love a person. Um, but here's the thing. If you start doing those things, praying and listening and eating and serving, there's a good chance that eventually they're going to ask you why you're doing this. You know, why are you, why are you paying so much attention to me? Why do you want to spend time with me? What are you, why do you serve me in these different ways, right? That, that we might get to a point where actually they're, they're wondering, what, what's different about you? Why do you seem to, to love people in really tangible ways? Or maybe as you're asking them questions about their spiritual background and listening, trying to understand where are you coming from? How did you grow up? You know, what, what did you believe? That they might then ask you about your spiritual background. And so the question is, what do you say when that time comes? How can we be better prepared than, than Mason's dad was in that movie Boyhood, so that when we have an opportunity to share, we, we, we actually can, can say something in that moment. So the final letter in, in our acronym BLESS is that last S, which stands for share your story. That we, we want to share the story of how God has worked in our lives and to also share God's story. So how do we share that story with people when the opportunity comes? The text that we're going to be looking at today uh, to help us think about that is a very short one. We're actually just going to look at two verses. Um, but it comes from uh, the, the, the letter 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. And we'll be looking at just verses 15 and 16. This is a letter that, that, that Peter wrote, the Apostle Peter. And, uh, and so um, we'll have those verses on the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Peter writes, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience 
so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word, for um, these verses that, that you inspired Peter to write. And as we think about how you're calling us to be prepared to share when that opportunity comes, Lord, we pray that you would teach us today through your word, through this message, uh, how to be better prepared to share our story with people when that opportunity comes. So, so teach us now, Lord, and, and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at these, these two short verses uh, today and see what they teach us about sharing our stories as a way to bless people. That actually sharing our story can be a way to love someone, to actually to bless them uh, who are, again, not yet followers in Jesus. And the first thing I want to look at today is the content of your story. Uh, so when we say, share your story, what's that talking about? What is your story? What is, that, what is the content of your story? Well, in our text, the Apostle Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So Peter here is saying that the content, that, that, that when someone comes to you and you're going to talk to them, you're going to give an answer, what you should be talking about here is the reason for the hope that you have. The reason for the hope that you have. Now sometimes in our culture, we use that word hope um, basically kind of as a way of talking about wishful thinking. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we kind of hope that something will happen, but we often... We use that word as if, like, we don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to happen necessarily. So, you know, I, I hope it won't rain this weekend. You know, as I'm making plans for this weekend, I, I hope it won't. Um, or, I hope the Giants or Jets will win the Super Bowl this year. Not very likely, right? There's not a lot of confidence there that that's going to happen for maybe either of those teams. But, you know, we say, oh, I hope so. Um, but when Peter talks about the hope that you have... He's talking not about just wishful thinking. He's actually talking about something much more solid and sure. Uh, the hope that we have as Christians is a confidence about the future that's based on the promises and actions of God. And so what is the reason that we would have that sort of hope for the future, that we'd have a confidence in knowing where we're going and knowing what God is going to do in the future? Well, earlier in the letter, Peter uh, writes in the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So Peter here talks about being given a new birth into a living hope. Um, even what we did today with, with bringing Evan to the Lord in baptism was, was a way of, of bringing him, giving him this new birth into a living hope that he has now, that, that he will grow to understand and, and trust in as he, as he gets older. And what is the reason for that hope? What is the reason we can have a new birth into a living hope? Peter says it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the ground of our hope. The reason that we can have confidence about the future, the reason that we can have hope in our lives is because Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead. That is the grounding of our hope. 
And so we need to be able to talk about what Jesus has done for us, that he has died for us to save us, that he has risen from the dead to give us new life. I remember one of the first times that I was asked to give the reason for the hope that I had. Uh, I was in about sixth or seventh grade, and I was uh, sleeping over at a friend's house from school. Um, this friend, he was not a Christian, but we were, we were good friends. We had a lot of interests in common. And, uh, and so we'd, you know, we'd been having a lot of fun that evening. And, and so as we're kind of just laying there, you know, he's laying in his bed, I'm laying on the, uh, on the floor in my sleeping bag. We're just kind of, you know, chatting. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he asks me why I believed in Jesus. I was a sixth, sixth or seventh grader, you know, and he asked me, why do you believe in Jesus? And, and he, and so I, I just said, I'm going to try to tell him the story of Jesus as best as I can. So I just started talking about Jesus' life and and his death on the cross and his, his resurrection. And this friend kind of had a lot of questions for me. He kept on peppering me with, with, with questions. What about this? What about that? And I did my best to answer them as a sixth or seventh grader. And I didn't know all the answers to all of his questions. But, but I tried my best to answer. And, I, and I, what I really did was I just talked about the hope that I had. As one because, because Jesus had saved me. Now that's, that's why I believed in Jesus. Because he loved me. And he saved me. Now, my friend, he didn't accept Christ that night, but I was glad that I had been ready to give an answer to his questions. Even if I didn't know all of the answers, that I was able to talk about the reason that I believe, the reason that I had hope. Are you ready to share the reason for your hope? If you're a believer in Christ, if you're someone who, who, has, who says, I, yeah, I trust in Jesus for salvation— are you ready to, to talk about that with someone, to give an answer? One of the most powerful ways to do that is to talk personally about how God has given you hope in your life, to tell your story, your story of how Jesus has brought you from death to life. Um, and so I want to just highlight kind of uh, an easy way to sort of think about that as sort of a, a, just a practical way of thinking about telling your story. Um, an easy way to think about that is just three parts. First, the first part is your life before or apart from Christ. What was your life like? What, 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 what was like life before believing in Jesus or apart from Christ? Now, for some of you, um, if you didn't grow up in a Christian background, that might be a lot easier to, to talk about, right? If you, if you came from a, a, a secular background or even a different religious background, being able to talk about your life before you became a believer, that... That might be a little bit easier. But even if you did grow up in a Christian background, even if you, you know, grew up kind of going to church and Sunday school and you learned a lot about, about God even as a child, I think all of us can probably acknowledge that there have been times in our lives where we either turned away from God, maybe rebelled against God in different ways, or maybe moments where we, we had doubts or, or questions or we, maybe we were tempted to to turn to something else apart from God. Maybe things that we, we, we felt like, you know, I want to pursue this, actually, instead of following God. You could talk about that. You could talk about those moments in your life where maybe, what was that like, kind of turning away from God? Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's dealing with a really difficult situation in your life. Maybe it was an experience of, of suffering or pain in your life, and maybe that period of time really gave you a lot of questions about whether you really believed in God or or, or 
Maybe you're actually trying to deal with that apart from him. You're just trying to deal with that situation and kind of keeping God at bay. So the first thing is to talk about what, is, what, is, what does that look like in your life? Your life before or your life apart from Christ. Moments where you were maybe far from him. Then the second thing is to talk about how Jesus Christ found you. How did Jesus find you in the midst of that? Uh, so that could be how you came to believe in Jesus for the very first time. You know, how, what, how did that happen for you when you accepted Christ and you understood what he did for you and you trusted in him? Or maybe, again, maybe it was, it was coming back to Christ. He found you after you had wandered from him, after you had rejected him or, or started going down a different path. And, and maybe he found you and he rescued you back. Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's when God opened your eyes to realizing that you are actually trusting in something other than him, that you were trusting in an idol, in something that was not Jesus, and, and that he opened your eyes to that, and, and, and you were brought to repentance and confession of that. Or maybe it's in that difficult situation how God gave you hope, how he met you in the midst of that difficult situation, and how he, how he, how he brought hope to you in, in the midst of it. And then the third thing is to talk about then your life after Jesus found you. So what difference has Jesus made in your life? How has your life changed? When Jesus found you, are there, are there things that have changed in your life from before to after? How has Christ satisfied your deepest needs? How has he given you strength to face difficult times? You know, if he met you in the midst of a difficult time, how, how has that changed how you've dealt with future things in, in your life as they, they came your way? And I want to say that it's okay to share that you're still a work in progress. That, you know, sometimes we get this pressure to feel like we have this, have this dramatic, like, this is how my life was. I was a drug dealer, and I was, you know, I was, like, rebelling against God hardcore, and then he found me, and, like, now my life is perfect, and I, don't, I never even get colds anymore in my life. Like, I just, everything's great. No, that's not reality, right? We have, we, we continue to have struggles even after Christ finds us. And so it's okay to share that, that God's continually changing us, and and he's showing us new areas in our lives that he wants to deal with. So be honest. You know, don't give a false impression that, that after you become a believer in Christ that your life then is now perfect. And that, that everything is, is great. No, we, we still live in a broken world and we still have sin in our own lives. But you can talk about the difference that Jesus has made for you. The difference that Jesus has made in your life now that he's in it. I want to encourage you. Today, you know, those of you who are here today, to take some time this week to think about those three things. Um, and actually, maybe even to write down some thoughts about those three areas. And, and, and maybe when you try to do that, you realize, I, that, that's, that's kind of hard for me to do. I'm, I'm struggling with that. And so maybe spend some time praying about that and, and maybe talking to someone else. And, you know, all of us, we have different stories of how Christ has found us. And that's good. That's, we don't have to have the same story as this other person did. But we all, those of us who are believers in Christ, there's a story that's there of how Jesus has saved us and rescued us. Um, even if part of that might have been being baptized as a child and growing to know and understand what Christ has done for you over time, right? Um, be prepared to give an answer. What better way to be prepared than to actually think about what that answer would be? To think about how you would tell that story to someone, um, so spend some time this week thinking about that. Now, for some of you here today, you may not identify as a believer in Jesus. Maybe you're, you're here and, you, and, and actually, you're actually still living in that first area. 
that your life, you're, you don't necessarily believe in Jesus. And so your life is sort of apart from or before Christ. And if that's you, I am so glad that you're here today. Because I believe that Jesus wants to find you. That he wants to find you. And he wants to change your life. He wants to bring you from, from where you are now to experiencing life with him. And, and if he, he wants to give you a story. He wants to give you a story to tell. Um, a story of, of Jesus finding you. And if that's you, and you'd like to, to talk more about that, I would love to, to hear your story and hear kind of where you're at and, and, and to be able to talk together. You can even find me after the service today. I'd love to, to do that. Another aspect of, of the content of your story, though, is also answering the question, how does your story fit into God's story? So we want to talk, be able to talk about our own personal story, but we also want to connect our story with God's bigger story of salvation. Are you, we want to be prepared to share the reason for the hope that we have. That means sharing God's story of how he has given hope to humanity through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And there are many ways to share that story. Uh, the Bible gives us lots of different images to talk about his work of salvation. There are many different verses and passages that we can use to share that story. Um, over the years, there have been many models that have been you know, given as, as, as examples of how to give the basics of the gospel message. Um, the four spiritual laws, maybe some of you are familiar with, or the Romans Road, or the bridge diagram. And there's all these kind of small ways of just boiling it down to talk about Here's what God's done for, for me. Here's what he's done for, for you. And this is where we, how we can have hope. And I don't have time this morning to go into all those approaches and those different ways. But the important thing is that you become familiar enough with God's story of salvation in Jesus that you're prepared to talk about it. So no matter what, however you want to do that, right? It could be sharing about this particular verse, John 3.16, Romans 6.23. But being able to say, this is what God's done for me, and this is what he could do for you. So you're prepared to talk about it when the time comes. So another thing, I'm giving you some homework today. This is the end of our series, so I'm just kind of giving you some, some things to, to think about. Uh, we're ending this series today. We're moving on to something next, next Sunday. So the other thing I want to encourage you to think about this week is how would you share the basics of God's story of salvation with someone? And how would you do that in like three to five minutes? Because if you just kind of drone on about like all you know start at genesis and if you're talking to someone who's not a believer they're going to tune you out pretty quickly but if you can give it in a, in a small impactful statement this is what christ has done for me it's what he wants to do for you um so so think about that how would you do that maybe again write down some thoughts maybe practice speaking it out loud um and here's the thing it's probably unlikely that you're going to like give that little spiel to someone ever <laughs> because the reality is in life we don't just kind of go up to someone and say hey let me let me tell you like a five minute story of the gospel for you right now but oftentimes the way that it happens is it happens again in a relationship over time maybe over several conversations and often it's a dialogue right there's there's a question and answer there's a give, give and take but we want to be prepared to know how to talk about it with someone so are you prepared to, to share God's story with someone? So that's the content of the story. Uh, once you have a grasp on the content, the next thing is the context for sharing your story. So what is the context? How do we, what's the right context for sharing your story with someone? Let's look back at, at what Peter says in our text. He says, always be prepared to give an answer 
to everyone who asks you to give the reason. Notice that Peter does not say, always be prepared to give a gospel presentation to a random stranger on the street. Right? That's not what he says. He says, be prepared to give an answer to someone who asks you about the hope that you have. Now, God can use a random gospel presentation on the street too. You know, I don't put it, he can use anything. But the most natural way of talking about our, our faith is a situation where someone's asking us about it. And where, where we could give an answer to that. And the most natural context for that to happen is when you're, in, when you're with someone that you have a relationship with. Like a friend, or a relative, or a neighbor, or a coworker. That's the context of when we're going to share that story, most likely. Um, the international evangelist Luis Palau did some research that showed that 75% of people who came to Christ did so through a relationship with a Christian friend, relative, or coworker. 75% of people who came to, know, to, to believe in Jesus came through a relationship with someone they already knew. The Institute of American Church Growth reports an even higher percentage with almost 90% of 14,000 Christians who were surveyed saying that they came to Christ through a friend or relative who invested in a relationship with them. It happens in relationship. It happens with people that we know. And so the context for sharing your story, it, it'll often be when you're, when you're with someone that you already know, you have a relationship with, that you've, you've been building a relationship with. And it's going to happen most naturally when you are asked a question that naturally leads to sharing your story. Right? So it, it's, it's not something that we have to force. It's not something that we have to, to sort of like, I want to insert this randomly into the conversation with this person. But it happens when we just naturally, we're talking and they ask a question. And there's an opportunity there to talk about our faith. Um, when the other person's genuinely interested in hearing about your faith in Jesus, guess what? That's the time to share your story. When they're interested. When they ask you about it. Now, why would a non-believer ask you a question that naturally leads to sharing your story? Why would someone ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have? Well, likely it's going to happen for one thing, if they know that you're a Christian and they're maybe curious about that. So when we're open about the fact that we do believe in Jesus or other, another time where maybe someone might ask you is if they do notice something different about you. They notice the way that you live your life, the, the uh, decisions that you make or, or, or the way that you treat people that prompts them to ask you about that. And so in other words... It's more likely that, that that's going to happen, that you're, you're going to be asked a question that might lead to sharing your story if you've been doing the four other things in bless. If you've been praying and listening and eating and serving, looking for ways to love and bless the people in our lives, they're much more likely to ask, you know, what's different about you? Now, I want to be careful here. I am not saying that we should pray, listen, eat, and serve as just sort of hoops to jump through to eventually get to share your story with someone, right? We're not talking about just sort of going through the motions of these other things. The first four practices are legitimate and full ways to actually bless people in our lives. And so we need to be careful that we don't view, start viewing people as projects, or viewing these five practices as items to just kind of check off on a list. 
okay, I prayed for that person, I listened to them, I ate with them, I served them, I shared my story with them. Okay, check. Now I can move on to the next person. (laughs) No, that's not what we're talking here. We're talking about building a genuine relationship, actually loving someone, caring about them, and then through that, through showing that intangible ways of of what we're, we're, we're saying here. All these five practices are actually things that we should be doing constantly with people in our lives, with many different people in our lives as opportunities arise. I shared this with, with my um, Tuesday small group earlier this week that, um, that I've been praying for one, one, one particular guy uh, that I know in my, in, in my life. And, uh, and I was supposed to get together with, with him and a few other guys a couple weeks ago. And so in my mind, I was, I was, I was kind of focused, you know, I was praying about that get together as an opportunity maybe to, to listen and continue to build a relationship and possibly share some of my story with them. But then none of the other guys could make it that night. And so he canceled it. And so I'd sort of been planning on like, this is going to be my opportunity. I'm going to bless these people. I'm going to love them. And then, nope, opportunity was gone, right? But then randomly, um, I ended up just kind of bumping into someone and having an hour-long conversation with a different person who started asking me tons of questions about Christianity and the Bible and asking me to talk about my faith. And, and I had the opportunity to listen to him and share my story. And guess what? I wasn't expecting that conversation at all. That wasn't my plan that day. I had my plan for how I was going to bless this one guy, but God had a completely different plan of how he wanted me to be a blessing to this other person over here. And so we are not in control of the context of our sharing our stories. And we're not in control of that. Um, And so we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and be open to opportunities that God provides for us, not trying to force our own plans or our own agenda. And that's why it's so important to begin with prayer uh, to remind us that we're not in charge. So we've, we've talked about the content of our story. We've talked about the context for sharing it. And the thing I want to just end with today is the motivation for sharing your story. Why should we do this? What's the motivation? Well, our motivation should not be out of obligation or to try to gain something for ourselves. We shouldn't share our story so that we can kind of pat ourselves in the back for doing a good job. You know, hey, I, I shared my faith with that person over there. You know, I, I can feel proud of that. Or in order to impress God, to try to win something from God or, or, or from other people. We don't do this to try to, for, for ourselves, we don't do it um, just out of, out of obligation. You know, oh, the pastor told me I'm supposed to share my story with someone this week, so I got to do that this week, right? No. That's not the motivation. We also don't do it to make a sale or to gain a convert we can boast about. Uh, There's a movie called The Big Kahuna where uh, a character in that movie, Phil, who's a salesman, confronts this young guy, Bob, who's a coworker of his, who's who's a zealous Christian who he tries at every opportunity to kind of, in a very heavy-handed way, talk about his faith and sort of proselytize on the job. And this guy, Phil, says to to this other guy, Bob, he says, it doesn't matter whether you're selling Jesus or Buddha or civil rights or how to make money in real estate with no money down. That doesn't make you a human being. It makes you a marketing rep. 
If you want to talk to somebody honestly as a human being, ask him about his kids. Find out what his dreams are. Just to find out for no other reason. Because as soon as you lay your hands on a conversation to steer it, it's not a conversation anymore. It's a pitch. And you're not a human being. You're a marketing rep. There's a danger here when we think about sharing our story that we can turn this into a sale. We're just trying to force the conversation in this direction and, and we become a marketing rep rather than just a human being, a person who wants to get to know someone and love them. So if we don't want to be marketing reps, the people in our lives, though, then what is the right motivation for sharing our story? I mean, if we're, if we're still supposed to share our story, what's the right motivation? The right motivation is out of love for the other person and from the joy of knowing Jesus. Out of love for the other person. We want to be motivated to share our story with others when we have experienced the joy of knowing Jesus ourselves. And when we believe that Jesus really is good news for everyone. And so we want to share him with people in our lives out of love for them. When I first date, started dating my wife, Rochelle, I wanted to introduce her to all my family and friends. I wanted everybody to, to, to get to know her. I was so excited about our relationship that, that I wanted to share it with other people. And the people who I, I wanted to meet her the most were people who I loved. My parents, my siblings, my close friends. Introducing them to, to Rochelle was a way to love them and was a way to show that I loved them because I wanted them to know this person that I cared so much about. And I wanted to share the story of how we met and how we started dating. Do you feel that way about your relationship with Jesus? Are you so excited about knowing Jesus that you just want to share him with other people in your life? You want to tell them about him and what he's done for you. If you don't feel that way about your relationship with Jesus, that might be the place to start. Maybe you used to feel that way about him. But the excitement that you had when you first believed has kind of faded over time. Or maybe you realize that, that you actually tend to think about your faith as sort of a system of beliefs and behaviors. You think of Christianity actually as, 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 as things to believe and, and things that we're supposed to do rather than a relationship with a person. Maybe you need Jesus to find you. Maybe you need him to find you again find you for the first time. And if you resonate with that, I want to encourage you to go back to that be and bless and begin with prayer. Ask Jesus to find you, to open your eyes, to see him, and then start reading one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, just pick one and just start reading it because that's where we see Jesus, who he is, and ask Jesus to encounter you as you read about his life, death, and resurrection. Maybe you have a joy in knowing Jesus, but you don't have the love for your non-Christian friends and neighbors. So you're not motivated to share Jesus with them. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to also begin with prayer. Ask God to give you a love for your friends and your neighbors who are far from God. And then start doing those next three things. Listen to them, eat with them, 
Look for ways to serve them. And guess what? If you start doing those things while continuing to pray for God to give you love, he's going to do it. As you build a relationship with that person, he's going to give you eyes to see them as a human being that God loves deeply and who he's placed in their life to, to love as well. Brothers and sisters, as Peter wrote, in God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's what Christ has done for us. So let us be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for that hope, for the hope that we have. We have an incredible, unshakable hope. Let's share our story and God's story with the world so they too can have that hope. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would use us to introduce people in our lives to you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray that you would fill us with love for the people in our lives and a joy in knowing you that would lead us to share our story and share your story. In Jesus' name, amen.